Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, the Internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, These are some of our favorite segments from this week all edited together into one uh, non-stop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Miles, in our seat, we are thrilled to be joined by a professional futurist with a PhD in the history of science. He's been a visiting scholar at Stanford and Oxford universities and is the author of four books, including Shorter and Rest. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Alex Sujung King Pang. Alex! Uh, Thanks for having me and (laughs) happy National Angel Food Cake. Yeah, yeah, right? Are you a fan of Angel Food Cake? I love Angel Food Cake. Oh, And cake decorating, actually. So, you know, two for one. Oh wow! Okay, is that like is that a like a hobby of yours, decorating cakes, or you, you just, know you admire I, the artwork? I admire the artwork, though yeah. my wife and my daughter are both pretty sort of uh, pretty amazing bakers. So oh, mm. okay, okay, okay. Well, we're so glad you joined us here today. Obviously, the listeners probably have heard me really talking about my, my grind set mindset. How I get to Lambo is the thesis statement of this show. Yeah, but as quickly as possible. You know, Tim yes. Ferriss gave me some ideas. They aren't working very well. Not fast uh, enough. I don't know Not why. Not fast yeah. enough. I Not wasn't able enough. to outsource enough of my work to enough but yeah, people who work for $5 an hour, unfortunately. <laughs> it didn't work that way. But we are curious to pick your mind because, yeah, it was the talk of shortened work weeks. And if that's better, I don't know, the jury's still out in my mind. We figured it's good to enlist the help of someone who has an like their area of expertise is in precisely that to fight the yeah. voices that tell me to keep grinding yeah. uh, every day and every night. So we're mainly going off vibes on this end. Yeah. And you've actually looked at data, whatever that means. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to dig into it. But before we get to before we get into that, we do like to get to know you a little bit better and ask you, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are or what you're up to? 
Well, this morning I was on Google Translate for a while looking at four-day week in other languages. So it's something that I've been interested in for several years, and it's a movement that keeps growing, and I have to keep like tracking it now in like Turkish and Hungarian and stuff. It used to be relatively simple. It was like English and maybe one or two other languages, but now it's mm. like just all over the place. How, how is that spreading? Is it just like kind of word of mouth that different companies are learning about it? Or is it coming usually from the workers themselves? Or how, how do you see that kind of happening? Yeah, you know, a lot of it is spreading through sort of word of mouth with like within industries. So, you know, you get a couple people in like HR and recruiting who try it in their organizations and then sort of uh, then their competitors will do it because those competitors are starting to lose people to sort of the company that did it first. And then, right. you know, it gets written up in the news and some, you know, and there's some ambitious politician who thinks, you know, this is how they become, you know, governor or senator or something, right? Championing the four-day week. And right. so, you know, and it kind of builds from there. And it's fortunately been something that's gotten, you know, plenty of press and plenty of attention. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been really great to see it acquire that kind of momentum and take on a life of its own. Yeah. Is there, is there anything to like, you think, like, are there certain cultures where the just like innately some cultures are going to be a little bit harder for them to like cross the barrier into the four hour work week just based on sort of like ideas of what productivity or what, you know, someone's worth is based on work? Or is it or is there also a thing where too like humanity is just kind of naturally maybe progressing towards this where it's like, I mean, culture or not, it's like this is this feels better. This works better. Yeah. You know, I think if you've got 24 hours in a day, you're going to yeah. you're going to value this. So, I mean, you know, I have seen this in uh, like two of the hotspots for the four day week are Japan and Korea, which right. are both countries whose languages have their own words for working yourself to death. Right? Yeah, so, right. you know, it's not just like Sweden and Denmark and places with really good work life balance. You actually see it most in places that have really serious issues with like stress, overwork, et cetera. Mm. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely well, I stood I out. I haven't hit that yet. I haven't hit that. Yeah, yet we're not. We're about. we're not uh, on board yet. But you said you said twenty four hours in a day, my man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to find some more hours. That's got, right. I got thirty in a day over here. But anyway, go on. That's another yeah. story. <laughs> it it does um, cut against the standard narrative that we see in the mainstream media. I feel like that that's one of the things that made it jump out to me is like this wouldn't be getting coverage unless it actually worked because so much of the mainstream like narrative is focused on emphasizing the impact of these like billionaires and how they worked so hard and did it all by themselves and bootstrapped their way up and so to have this thing that keeps getting media attention that feels like really counter to the logic that the entire that is like the software that the entire media that we consume runs on like that. That's one of the things that made me be like, huh, I feel like there's must be something here because if it wasn't true, like the, the media wouldn't allow it, you know? Yeah. Like weapons of mass destruction. We were saying right. that too. <laughs> yeah. like, why would they talk about that? The yellow cake. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's gotta be true. <laughs> uh, what is something Alex you think is uh, overrated 
Uh, this week, I think having having an opinion that you feel like you really need to share immediately, I feel like is overrated. Yeah, yeah. yeah speaking on things that you haven't read about or have no experience with, uh, big overrated. Stating allegiance to uh, particular foreign policy campaigns without knowing anything about them. Yeah, these things are... You know, I know that this is like an old man complaint, but the internet's kind of like, hey, if you have an opinion, share it here. I yeah. don't think you need to all the time. Right, and right, right. Even if you don't, just like kind of make one up and <laughs> yes, just go with it and then state it as if you believe it strongly. Yeah, zealously put it forward. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, so I'm it, feeling... it is, a lot of people I, I feel like are had to, like have to jump in with takes all the time when you you don't you don't always have to and i get that the internet makes it feel like the spotlight is on you and everyone is waiting for what you're gonna say <laughs> but you can just say i'm just kind of just kind of just just checking this out uh, having my own feelings about yes. it i i'll address them uh if i feel appropriate publicly whenever that happens absolutely and i think like there's like a symptom of a feeling of like powerlessness with that it's like i think everyone yeah. feels like generally powerless and they think that like if they immediately have a take on something or share it immediately or whatever it like might do something <laughs> and it won't and it's fine to to not know for a minute so and that's especially you know obviously this is a, a big international news week and that's uh when yeah. this happens more more often than not yeah it's 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 really apparent like when you see so how many celebrities just <laughs> deleted shit so quickly and you're like hold on did you are you doing this because you feel like well, everyone's posting about the thing? I have to also post about the thing. Uh, right, like, right. Oh, this is okay. I'm not. I'm not actually sure what foreign policy is. So for sure, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna delete that. I'm gonna delete yeah, that. yeah. I don't know. I get all my foreign policy information and ideas from Jack Black. Yeah. So I was waiting to see where he came down, <laughs> and fortunately, he came through with a heater. So it's such a. Uh, it's we're all good here. It's such an overshare week that I know exactly what Jack Black said. So that's where yeah. we're at. <laughs> Wait, did Jack Black come out with? Don't was worry, he Jack Black waited. Jack Black waited. We're good. Oh, okay. it was Problem just one solved. of the like. Yeah. All right, JB. You know. Yeah, it it does feel like people are hurting in a very particular way that. They they are asking people to like a lot of the things that are going viral are like come out and say what you think about this or else you're not doing the right thing. So right, like, right. I, I also understand why people are making this mistake, you know? It, yeah, it, no, it, no doubt. I, I think especially it's just like especially important and it's always been important to like pause generally. But like now, as it seems that like every place we get information has been particularly the one owned by Elon Musk has been crushed and stripped of context and sort of like disinformation is increasingly more prevalent by the day. Yeah, yeah. it's it's maybe a perfect time to hone your reflex to find, you know, to substantiate your news. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, this you're was forming like the, opinions on this was the, like this was the moment I was like, I can't use Twitter for shit anymore now. Right. Like it's only for jokes. It's only for yes. jokes because yeah. I've. Dude, I on the other one, like I I fell for like one of I uh, sadly mistakenly had regurgitated something that was not true on the show about the eight billion dollars being okayed from the administration to go to Israel, mm. and that was like that was shared by a couple accounts that I was like, oh, I think they have their shit together. And now I'm like, it's a fucking absolute cesspool now. So apologies yeah. for any listeners who who thought uh, that was actually a true fact was in fact not. And now I'm like, all right, sticking to 
actual like legitimate yeah. news sources as usual because even the times that like you know journalists or people who appeared as journalists were sharing things we're, we're very quickly we're out of that era yeah, uh, and sure. it's so unreliable to the point that like like i've i've just gone through thread after thread of people who are like disinformation misinformation specialists i'm like here are the most prevalent things that are being talked about like this week on this platform and i'm like this is useful uh, yeah because so much discourse is shaped by twitter still fortunately i think most people just come to us for like lifestyle things and like how to get to lambo and you know how to <laughs> yeah, live yeah, their yeah. life not necessarily <laughs> for information so i think we're good no 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 well yeah considering that it's it's mostly just just our opinions man yeah, yeah. miles uh we do want to check in with a report from Daniel Van Kirk yes. on the ground in a Midwestern airport filing from his phone and just, he just like recorded it, sent it to us over email this morning. So, so let's listen. This, this is an interview with somebody who works for yeah. one of the airlines. And wanting to, I think he starts off just from the little bit I've heard at the very beginning, getting some, some travel tips from, from who, who else who would know best than somebody who works at the airport. Here we yeah. go. Hey, it's Daniel Van Kirk. I am uh, doing an on-the-ground reporting for the Daily Zeitgeist, mm -hmm. the best podcast to get all the happenings going on around the world. I'm That's actually facts. at How did he know our new catchphrase right now? Talking to somebody who uh, knows TM, the best place to get all I the guess happenings. Better than anybody, they work for for an airline in the Midwest. I want to I want to ask you. Let's call you Max. And I want you to not Let's call you Max. About saying anything. <laughs> what's the what's the best tip? Like around Thanksgiving, Christmas season, how early should somebody get to the airport? Because I have my theory, but I want to hear yours. I'm two hours, Miles. Yeah. Three hours early. Three? Consolidate your bags. Consolidate. Wait, you really think three hours? I mean, I I don't think that's too far off. Have you been to the airport? At, yeah. The, it's you're bad. giving yourself two? Two hours? Traveling when, domestic during the, during the holidays. Yeah, maybe the holidays a little different, but I have a hard time getting. I don't do that extra hour. Getting myself to commit to the extra hour. I do two hours. That's like my standard for domestic flights usually, because that's usually what it is. Unless I'm flying out of Burbank, shout out Burbank, which I'll pull yeah. up thirty minutes before boarding, yeah. and I'm good. Um, I treat Burbank like a like I'm catching the bus. I'm like waiting oh, yeah, for the yeah, plane yeah. As, yeah. as people are boarding. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Hey, you do don't, have don't that miss sense me. of don't entitlement. Miss me. Hey, yeah. don't close the door. Don't close it. I'm here, <laughs> asshole. Let me on. Yeah. If you're going right. to make me walk outside <laughs> to get to my plane, you better assume that I'm going to be a little bit. Yeah. Haphazard. Exactly. Yeah. Here we go. Moving right. on. So he's saying three hours. Yeah. yeah. Security. I mean, that's what they've been Oh, because you just never know what you're going to run into? Yep. I tell people, even if you fly twice a year, you should uh, do clear. Mm. Mm. Right? Yeah, that's a good tip. Because so many people are so <laughs> stressed. I love this guy's energy. Like, this guy's Daniel, energy rules. DVK pulls up to this dude like, hey, man, like, can I do an interview real quick? I'm like, yeah, all right. And you are like, listening what about to clear? Mm -hmm. the, uh, proof that David Van Kirk could get along with, like, truly anyone. Not that there's anything wrong, but, like, this is just, this is how he talks to you. This is how he talks to me. This is how he talks to the guy in. Yeah, at the airport. At the airport <laughs> who works for an airline. Also, clear. I don't have, you have clear? No, I don't have I don't clear. Have I clear. have TSA pre-check. Yeah, I got TSA pre-check. Pre-check. Isn't it clear? Like, I feel like clear I didn't do it because, like, it involved more steps. And I was like, no, nah, dude, like, 
miss me. Well, you have to like do it at the airport and you have to like, my wife keeps being like, all right, let's do it. Let's, let's like get you clear now that we're at the airport, but we're now we're never there in time. Why are you and taking me to a sign? Whenever I'm traveling, center. I'm like, I have a bag that's half open with papers streaming out of it just behind mm. me. So yeah. Now I, I want to ask you this. Do you have more or less drunk passengers around the holiday season? Way more. Really? Because oh. it's people who don't fly as much and they have anxiety? Yep. They get hmm. to the airport, they wait, and they drink. Now, yeah, man. How often do you know ahead of time? Like, you know who your people are going to be before they ever even approach the gate? Usually see them sitting at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, though. You, of like, course. Your drinking yeah. is fully on display at the airport. You know, it's not like there's like a back a back bar. Like yeah, where, yeah. You know, and, and so it's just interesting to hear that, like, the people who work for the airline are clocking you as they walk by and see you at bellied up to the bar. Right. With, like, an empty, like, double pint of beer and three shot glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thing, as I just like a whole row of empty shot glasses upside <laughs> down on the bar. You're like, all right, this one's trouble. So I'm, I'm a bad flyer. Yep. <laughs> see you later. I'm going to see you sure. later. Yeah. I'm going to see you later. That's how it usually is. Okay, here's another question I have. Is there a limit to how many dogs can be on a plane? <laughs> <laughs> like physically? Like by the laws not of service physics? animals. Not really. You could have not service animals. 20 dogs. Be like five or six. Have you ever seen a do- an animal that wasn't a dog or a cat? Have you had a bird? No. You I know. haven't seen any, no. There was a, a story once, I don't know if it was true or not, that somebody tried to bring a, like a goose or a, like a peacock yeah. onto a plane. Actually, I've seen penguins on the plane. You've seen the movie <laughs> Penguins on a Plane? They had the SeaWorld flight coming in. No kidding? Yeah, they had uh, penguins coming off. They walked right. off. Okay, now here's a here's This a guy might too. be a little this bit drunk, but... <laughs> it's like it's hard to tell it's like is he like fucked up on like on benzos on the job or is he like one of those super laid back like one note people because like i have friends like 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 where they have like Stephen wright kind of cadence and delivery yeah. and you're yeah. like this guy's fucked up you're like nah man this is just this is them they got one tune they play and it's this one <laughs> but I have to tell if i'm wrong if you're only allowed to bring so many items onto a plane, right? Personal items and a carry-on bag. I think that's pretty universal around airlines. But if you have a bag of food that you bought at the airline, does that count towards one of your items? <laughs> of course not, D- Daniel. No. But if it's a huge bag, they do count it. But, but if, if you're a f- regular size food bag, no. So could it be possible if you have some third item you have to bring on, I mean, this Go is great get a traveling. food bag, put it in the food bag, and then you probably will get on the flight with that item because they'll just assume you got like a $27 chicken sandwich. <laughs> People get creative. Carry-on <laughs> bags that look like McDonald's bags. I'm just saying, put, I'm putting it out there. That's a brilliant idea. Just to, right, that we all have all these like new stealth bags to bring on because like yeah. every airline's like, hold on, hold on, man. Is your bot, your baby needs formula? Oh, that's that's 40 <laughs> bucks, man. That's 40 bucks. Oh, wait, is it? Oh, it's McDonald's. All right, no, never mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, this is heavy. What is this, 60 pounds? Man, just put it in the overhead, please. My McDonald's, I just like to keep it up there. In most airports, yeah. if you need a quick bite to eat, because I have a theory that those um, 
those pre-made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. What do they call the ones that are circular? They've got a $17 half a ham sandwich right here. Is it worth it? No. Okay. <laughs> never. No. It's never been worth it. No one has ever bought airplay, airport food and been like, this was the right price. They no. priced this correctly. It is pure price gouging. It is the cruelty of capitalism on display for all to see. I will give it up to like in like a airport in the UK, like you can always go to like a Mark and Spencer's type thing, like M&S or Sainsbury's and get like just like the meal deal sandwich, which is like like three pounds. Like I'm like, yeah, OK, cut to <laughs> Burbank. I, bought oh, a I fucking... thought you meant the sandwich weighs three pounds. <laughs> no, <laughs> three pounds sterling, though. three great British pounds, GB, mm. uh, GBP. And then. At art, like in fucking Burbank, bro. I, the other day, I got a fucking turkey sandwich. You know how much that shit was? Yeah, I do. Nineteen dollars. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I was gonna guess sixteen. Yeah, I think, I think this we happened to us together. Yeah. 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 It's it's a fucking duh. anyway. But that's hey, that's that's what it be sometimes out here in the U.S. I think people should be able to carry on guitars and play a nice little song about you know Jesus Slippery Christ. Slope. Slippery, the, exactly. That's the yeah. thing, though. It's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be like fucking raise you up on eagle's wings or like Wonderwall. Yeah, you know, or Wonderwall, like, but like it ends up being about how much you love Jesus. You know, oh, like it's talking about a couple lyrics. Can you make Wonderwall Youth pastor vibes? Can you make the Wonder Wonderwall be about like the passion of the Christ? Oh yeah, like his crucifixion. Like today is gonna be the day that they throw it back. Whoa. Yeah. It's whoa. just Jesus talking to Judas. Like Wow. Backbeat, the word is on the street, that the fire Wow, talking to Pontius Pilate on that one. Yeah. Okay. There you okay. Go. All right, we got a point. Moving on. And then where would you do you recommend people park on the lot? Like at the actual airport? Oh hell no. Or do you think it's usually better to find a something somewhere else? No, it's easier and more secure to park in the garage. Okay. Oh. That's what, that's what I did here today, so that makes me feel pretty good about that. I recommend you just park in the loading area, the passenger loading area, and then pick mm -hmm. up your car when you get back. You know? It should be there. That's my advice. <laughs> I don't travel much. And then, yeah, when you hop out, throw the sky cap your keys like they're the valet. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the airport cop's like, hey, you can't pass. You're like, hey, man, you don't have to gas her up. Just make sure she don't got any dings in her. Flights where people have opened up literal three-course meals <laughs> on a flight. Is there anything that somebody could ever say like, hey, I'm sorry, you can't eat baked salmon on the flight? Only if it's an offensive order. Okay, and that's a discretionary decision as well. Somebody, it's up to somebody, they decide if they think that's too offensive or non-offensive enough. Yep. Man. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's going to be my report where I talk to somebody who's in the know here at an airport in the Midwest. I assume just from both of our dialects, you can tell that we are in St. Louis and uh, everybody hates it down here because it's St. Louis. I throw it back to you guys. This is Daniel Van Kirk on the ground. Wow. <laughs> on the ground, not in the air, unfortunately. Uh, but what a report from the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we learned a lot. Learned a lot. Learned a lot about each other.
uh, yeah. that one for sure. Yeah. Like you, you really like to cut it close on the holidays. You're trying to do like a McAllister family trying to make the flight through the airport. Right. If we are not frantic, we are not traveling. Oh, that is, yeah. What am I going to? That doesn't give you. I mean, like if I get three hours. So the earliest I've ever I think this is part of it. The earliest I've ever gotten to the airport was the flight for my honeymoon. Uh huh. And we got there three hours early. Right. And we did it up a little bit and uh-huh. we got access to the like captain's club or, you know, whatever the, the lounge, yeah, yeah. The lounge area sure. and went in there and we missed an international flight because we Are were having too much fun. <laughs> and just and also I hadn't changed. It was back at a time when like the phones didn't automatically change with the time zone. So, oh, my God. God, I've been married like, 15, over 15 years. My wife still hasn't forgiven me for that shit. Well, like, but also I feel like the airlines usually like at a lounge like that, they, they scan your boarding pass. So they have an idea of where a passenger might be if it's going to take off. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, uh, maybe it they bad. invented that after you. Yeah. I think it's called yeah. the, uh, O'Brien rule. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we got there. The plane was still there, but they wouldn't let us on. It was oh. really bad. Yeah. And I was wearing a internet video. I was wearing a t shirt I had had since like eighth grade and it had holes in it. And (laughs) my wife had told me not to wear it to the airport (laughs) because she was like, like, it's just, they're not going to be nice to you. They think you're, and I was like, what are you talking about? I just want to be comfortable when I'm traveling. The shirt is, it is vintage. And they were like, no, you're not allowed on this plane. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> go go back outside to rebook. You have to go back through security. And yeah, probably was at least partially due to my ratty ass T-shirt. You know, <sighs> man, classist bullshit, man. Yeah. You're just a man of the people wearing your That's vaporized right. whatever. Was it like an REM shirt? It was a uh, House of Pain T-shirt. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You ain't getting on that plane, man. <laughs> Unless you're leaving Nor from like Boston. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. They're like, all right, all right. Although they're from LA. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways. Well, we're all a little bit wiser heading into this holiday travel season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk some news. We'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Visible is the wireless company that makes wireless visible. No hidden fees, no really. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. 
monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back. And yeah, so you started as a historian of science. And I've, I've heard you talk about like what, what you learned from Darwin and, you know, Ernst Macht talked about kind of these ideas of, you know, letting the subconscious have, take its turn. But can you, can you just talk, talk about like just looking at the historical record around these great thinkers and, and what they what they knew. Right. So, you know, part of the reason that I talk about these uh, these folks in rest is number 1, their lives are really really well documented, right? right. There were 14,000 letters in or of the Darwin archive at Cambridge University. So, we actually know an awful lot about their daily lives. We also have enough perspective so that we can, you know, say with a pretty high degree of confidence Charles Darwin Darwin was an important person who's you know, who made an enduring contribution to or to our understanding of the natural world. Yeah. And, you know, finally, in contrast to today's great, uh, so many of today's great achievers, they don't, you know, we can see them without the filter of like PR handlers and sort of, you know, people who are worried about their stock price or of making the argument that, you know, these people actually sort of never rest. They're always serving the customer, deli- you know, creating delightful products, blah, blah, blah. And so we have actually a better understanding of how they worked and how they did their work than we do of many inventors and entrepreneurs today. I don't and know, that little that, uh, fish with feet that Darwin came up with was pretty sick marketing, I got to say. That branding yeah. is pretty tight. He, he's kind of a marketing genius. Yeah. He did have his moments, you know, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just too bad that he was working before there was actually any, you know, social media, but, yeah. you know. I've always thought of him more as an influencer than anything, but yeah, okay. I, yeah, I think he did other important stuff. You know, th- I mean, you know, I, he, he, def- he definitely had a lot of influence, no question yeah. about that. Yeah. And the other thing you see when you look at these lives is there's a, uh, there's an amazing consistency in things like their daily schedules and sort of when they worked, when they took breaks and how they kind of layered these periods of really focused work of only like 90 minutes or uh, 90 minutes to two hours and then a break and then another deep dive, what Cal Newport calls deep work. And you do that like three times a day. And that's about all they needed in order to, you know, come up with ideas that, would have changed the world. 
And I think that's a, you know, it is a, it's a great it challenge to the assumption that in order to do, you know, world-changing stuff, we have to work enormously long hours. We have to, in effect, sacrifice ourselves and our happiness and our health and sometimes our families in, you know, sort of to make, you know, or of, uh, or of to reach some mountaintop, make a discovery, you know, et cetera. And that it's possible to have, you know, long, sort of lives that are longer, that are more sustainable, but also still let us do really amazing work that sort of, you know, lets us express our passions and that sort of is deeply satisfying for a really long time. So that ultimately is, you know, what Darwin taught me, along with the fish with the feet. Yeah, <laughs> which is, I've got a, I got a ton of those in my garage I'm trying to get rid of if you want to buy some. Yeah. And that is kind of the whole point of this episode is actually trying to help Miles move that product because he is I'm underwater on those things, man. man. I shouldn't have a made it in pure gold. I think that's where I went wrong. I shouldn't have a yeah. made it in pure gold. Yeah. Um, but what do you think? Like, so, I, you know, from my we talk about culturally, right, like how some places work themselves to death. I know that from like I'm, I'm a Japanese family who when I first like was working in media, they thought my job was not serious because I wasn't like working day and night. Are what like sort of what was sort of the evolution of being able to be like, I don't know, Darwin works like a couple hours a day to sort of this like new like the exaltation of like the the non-stop working person and that is why they are successful how did we like what 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 jumps did we make i'm assuming the industrial age had a lot to do with that but what 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 like where where were we and where are we now essentially it did have a lot to do with it but even you know 100 years ago there was this sense that you know super successful people of kind of earned earned the right to leisure because of their success. You know, mm. not that getting rich meant that you had to never, ever stop. Like, if you look at old issues of Forbes magazine from the 1910s, 1920s, right? Forbes magazine has never been one that's been especially critical of capitalists. But, <laughs> you know, lots of those profiles have stuff about how these guys spend like, you know, still go to Minnesota to tramp in the woods where they grew up before, you know, sort of coming back to Wall Street and, you know, sort of, you know, and sort of cornering the silver market. I think, you know, so, you know, part, but what happened to change that, I think really starts like in the 70s and 80s when you have sort of the realignment of the American economy you have sort of the sort of uh, along with um, the growth of uh, the computer industry of the high tech industry and finance simultaneously, both of which teach us that the way to be successful now is not to start at the bottom, pay your dues, and work your way up. Right, the age in which both General Electric and General Motors could be run by guys named Charlie Wilson both of whom started in the mail rooms of their companies, was now over, right? The way you right. became rich was to be like Steve Jobs, right? Or to have overnight success, or like, you know, Charlie Sheen in Wall Street. And that becomes, that becomes the model for what a successful career looks like, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Or if you get rich before the next, you know, either before your technical skills become obsolete, before the next turn of Moore's Law means that someone else has a, or a chance at bat, or 
you know, sort of the next, sort of the, the you know the next stage in the global economy or economic turndown, or sort of you know wipes everybody out, and then you know other structural factors like sort of the growth of or of uh, increasing reliance on sort of temporary labor, stalling of wages, and culturally, I think the sensibility that you know work goes from something that is important in every American's life to essentially the only thing, right? More right. important than family, than community, than religion. It means that it is like the undisputed champion of everybody's existence. And right. so, you know, all of that stuff together means that it's been really hard to push back against all of that and to imagine an alternative. And it's taken something as dramatic as the pandemic, right, to sort of shift uh, to make a lot of us shift gears to see that actually you know all these things that we took for granted that we thought were like inevitable and inescapable turn out to be things that we can change and right. to begin to take seriously the possibility that we can actually you know or of rather than have our workplaces changed by a virus make these changes ourselves for ourselves for the better but you know that's the that's a that's a brief history of how we got how we yeah. got in here and how we're getting out. It's interesting right. to me that it happened in like the seventies and eighties at a time when like people started really like hoarding and getting immoral amounts of wealth for like doing things that like building things that weren't lasting or you know yeah, doing corporate raiding and stuff. Yeah, like corporate that. raiding. Mm -hmm. Like it reminds me of the anecdote from the People's History of the United States where like the War Department changes its name to the Department of Defense at the moment that they start waging non-defensive wars because right. they're like, w they need this, you know, linguistic defense mechanism to, like, throw people's attention away. And it's like the w the powers that be in capitalism need this idea that, like, well, you just have to work harder. You just outwork everyone to justify that they're actually not doing anything that is harder or more worthwhile uh, and certainly not millions of times more important than than the people who they're out earning by a, a factor of a million. You know, Jack, that points to another important thing, which is that, you know, we've we've come to see of both success and challenges in the workplace as totally like sort of individual and personal. Right. Or of my success is because I worked enormously long hours, not because I have a social network, I have patrons, friends, you know, right. et cetera. Right. And if I have a, you know, sort of if I have a if I have a problem at work or if I want to be more successful, sort of the you know, the key is all in what I myself do. Right. Get up earlier, hustle harder, et cetera. And I think that we've, you know, sort of even. Even those of us who turn out whose clocks have 30 hours in a day Thank you. discover that, you know, at some point you run out of hours and the ability, you know, the ability to solve problems that way hits a limit. And the fact that we all share, that we all have these kinds of problems suggests that actually maybe a more powerful and enduring way to deal with them would be to solve them together, right? To act collectively. And that's one of the big things behind stuff like sort of the four day week is that, you know, it's something that's done in companies when, where 
everybody does it from the CEO or of, you know, CEO on down. And yeah. I think part of the success of the movement has been that it has, you know, it has shown us that, um, shown us the power of collective action to change how we work and to make work better for us all. Yeah. That just made me think of the fact that Zach Morris is the ultimate capitalist because he can freeze time. He can freeze time. Yeah. And that saved by the was, bell reference. The saved by the bell. Right? Yeah, of course. Do, do I, I don't think I have to explain that to anybody <laughs> here, but I'm sure this comes up all the time in academic <laughs> circles. But it, what like that he was and that that was a fantasy. That was like a thing that I was when I was younger. I was like, oh, man, to be able to freeze time, you have like so much extra time. I could like get so good at things or like do all the all my work and then just like come back. And it's really, you know, live my life on on Zach Morris's clock, you know, <laughs> how like. I'm curious to see, like, you know, when talking about... I got a lot about, more on Zach Ma Morris here, Miles, uh, if you... If oh, you, no, I was you, about to... I was actually <laughs> about to talk about uh, the Zach Morris when he had to take two people to the same dance. Uh, how he really could have been. <laughs> Jack, let me finish the question. Okay, my uh, <laughs> No, but uh, Alex, like, we... I think when we talk about... We talk a lot about on the show just sort of the... Just terrible habit we have, especially in America and other like Western capitalist societies of just like it's all about work. Productivity is the only metric to define your life. And like, you know, we see that uh, obviously like at the in the more professional level. But I feel like it's also really difficult for people who like have like, you know, hourly wage working jobs and things like that. What is the sort of same way? Because obviously I feel like the four, when people go like I'm sure if you tell a business owner, it's like, oh, four weeks. What well, for all my productivity to go down how do those sort of lessons apply to various industries because i can easily see how like in a professional thing it's like well we've got all these like invoices we have to process as an accounting firm or whatever once you're done then you have something there but like for something that's like sort of like an always on business like retail consumer sort of facing business what is the same way what is the way that that needs to be messaged to those people for them to not think well my line will go down if right. if this happens and how does this how does this sort of vision offer a new sort of form of, I guess, you know, time liberation for workers that are like in like in every every sector? Right. So, OK, first of all, I think that the you know, it's it, it, the four day week is something that the very, you know, whose very earliest adopters tended more to be in like professional and creative services. And partly because that work is kind of more malleable or more shapeable by individuals, it also tends to be a little more project-based. And so, right. and you know, you're not like actually moving physical things around. So sort of easier to imagine how to redesign it. But one of the really interesting things is that we've seen is it move into places like nursing. And I'm actually working with a police department that's moving that is experimenting with 32 hour work weeks for officers, you know, and talk about, you know, talk about two industries where you don't want, you know, sleep deprived or of overworked people coming in and making mistakes is like in an ICU and, you know, sort of during any interaction with sort of with law enforcement. And what we found there is that, you know, okay, a couple things. Number one, that that kind of work turns out to be just as creative as what we think of as, you know, creative work of like people sitting around in meetings, you know, drawing on whiteboards. It's just, we don't recognize it as such, right? There's just as much ingenuity or problem solving skill, et cetera, required to either defuse a situation 
to, you know, assess what's going on in an emergency room to calm down people. And that's, and so this kind of work is just as responsive to the benefits of a shorter work week on the part of individuals. Now, the way that organizations make it work is for nurses, you know, like places like nursing homes, they have huge issues around sort of turnover and sort of recruitment and retention, right? These are, or these often are jobs that are not very well paid. They're highly stressful. And so, you know, in, so it's easy for people to come into those jobs, work, you know, for maybe a year or two. And even if they like it, to find the stresses, you know, sort of are too much and for them to leave. Moving to a shorter work week means that they have more time, more time for recovery. So more time to, uh, you know, and that, but also it means that the organizations themselves, like nursing homes that have moved to six hour shifts while still paying people the same amount of money that they were, uh, that they were paying for eight hour shifts, they save enough in like in temp agency fees, you know, when someone calls in sick, you got to get someone from a temp agency, and it's like five times as expensive per hour as to or of you know have right. the regular full time person. You save so much money on that that the programs pay for themselves, and you get higher quality care. So less administration of psych- psychotropic drugs, fewer like bed sores, slips and falls, all the kinds of things that indicate whether whether. You know, whether nursing home residents or people in a hospital are being well cared for. And yeah. so, you know, in a sense, basically, there are there are industries in which there are hidden costs to overwork and high turnover that a four day week are subsidized by. That's and we're and we're seeing, you know, we're seeing that in the restaurant industry, in healthcare, the trial with the police force, it's an 80-person force, and they've saved something like $200,000 in overtime, which is, like, incredible in, mm-hmm. like, the last, you know, four months or so that they've been, that they've been doing it. And so, you know, it's, and so it's not just that, you know, these are sort of, these are jobs that, you know, in which individuals benefit, but it turns out that once you dive into the numbers, there often are kind of systemic savings that justify moving from or of or of from you know eight uh, from eight hour shifts to or to shorter ones so you know even when you have to pay more people you have to hire more staff it's you know the numbers still work out and then with retail the most interesting thing i'm seeing has been or of places that will stay open now for 12 hours and have two six hour shifts so that means that you get more walk-in, you know, you get more walk-ins. People can, you know, come into the store or the garage before work, you know, maybe get some work done or before they've got to, you know, drop the kids off. And it means that, you know, for, you know, you get more customers and more revenue. And so even if you have to hire sort of one or two more people, it often can pay for itself that way as sort of, right. on, you know, sort of on sort of more sales. Yeah. It's wild to think about the creative work that police do. That's crazy because every time I'm pulled over, they're like, why are you in this? Why are you in this neighborhood? Because they're coming up with like really interesting reasons why I shouldn't be there. But in their mind, yeah, they have that. It's an exhaustion issue. I'm like, dude, just get some rest. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hey, buddy, maybe you could need a nap. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Sorry, uh, officer. Sir, you, you seem so sleepy. 
You seem so sleepy. <laughs> go to bed. Go to bed. Shh. But no, it's, it, it it is like I'm. Is there are there any? Is there potentially any? Like this could apply to any job, right? Like, is there like in when looking at sort of the way we toil and labor? Is there any job where you're like, okay, maybe that one has to kind of stay that way? That's it's sort of. It seems. I don't know from right. my perspective. I'm like, I think this applies to everything, right? Can we just can we just call it a day? Everyone goes to four days. I think you know there were were of uh, looking at it economically. I think if you commute to work by helicopter, it's going to mm-hmm. be hard to move to a four day week. So like if sure. you're working on an oil rig or something, right? It's like. 10 days on, 10 days off, just the cost of getting to work and back is such that a four-day week is probably not going to work very well. And then after that, it becomes, it it really becomes a matter of like a professional ideology. Right. Yeah. Hedge funds are not going to do it because they have constructed incredibly profitable systems for hiring 22-year-olds working them to death and then discarding, right. you know, discarding the desiccated husks three years later and hiring new kids, right? Right. So until their, you know, Viking freezers are full of Wagyu beef right. in their, like, apocalypse bunkers, they're not going to have a lot of... Oh, you're looking at my vision that. board? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or if, but there were, you know, and then places like law and medicine, you know, they pride themselves on being able to work these kinds of titanically long hours. And right. they, even though they recognize that there are high costs to it and it leads to sort of instability for organizations and unnecessary burnout. Until now, it's been hard to envision constructing something different. But yeah. so, you know, and some of the, you know, there were uh, there definitely are older people in these fields who really resist the idea that you can, you know, sort of you can scale back hours and make the work better without making the work worse. Right. You know, occasionally you get people who say that, uh, I can't do this because, look, I don't have another life other than reading SEC filings or, you know, x-rays. So don't ask me to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Let's actually, let's take one more break. And then I have a, another thing that I heard you say that kind of made the whole thing fall into place for me. So we'll be, we'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Visible is the wireless company that makes wireless visible. No hidden fees, no really. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER And we're back. And this this report, Miles, from yeah. Moody's, yeah. nothing has ever made more sense to me in my mm-hmm. life than the news <laughs> that the Cheesecake Factory is propping up America's consumer Everything. economy. Yeah. Everything. You know, they Moody's likes to get in the business of business and put out their little uh, analyses about what's going on. They talk a lot about malls. Apparently, for... Mean Girls Day that we completely fucked up. So sorry about that on October 3rd. Humiliating. Uh, They released this like report on like the state of certain malls and like the top like the observations are like the most obvious one at the top was pretty clear to everyone. Obviously, like e-commerce has like obliterated mall traffic. Then there were a few others I didn't really think of, but like totally make sense in terms of the survival of a mall. Like people prefer lifestyle centers or outlets that are more that aren't enclosed because people just kind of these days rather park and walk directly to the store they need to go to rather than walking through nine dead department stores uh, just to get to like the inside part of the mall like we used to have to. And having like non-traditional businesses like an arcade or a trampoline park or a bowling alley helps like plays a I guess a somewhat a measurable role in the ability of a mall's uh you know survive survival factor survival rating but here's the other part right malls that do not have a cheesecake factory are 21% more likely to to be behind on loan payments than malls that do have a cheesecake factory yep and they're like and again they're like we're not saying you know, the uh, causation is correlation here or correlation is causation here. But it's clear that people go to a fucking cheesecake factory. It's like having an Apple store. People, if you got it there, people will go to it. And yes. Maybe it has somewhat to do with the layout. But these are the kinds of stores that no matter what, people will be like, oh, yeah, I have to go to the mall because that's where the Apple store is. Or now the cheesecake factory. And now I'm just like, what is it? Is it the brown bread? Is it the menu as thick as phone books? Yeah. I've been saying for a long time, I think the Cheesecake Factory menu is the height of Western colonial culture. It is mm. like the thing that will be in our, like the the wing of the museum dedicated to this period in history and this place in, in the world. Right. Where does P.F. Chang's like, How did they fucking fit this many places into a single kitchen? Like that. P.F. Chang's. That doesn't make sense. Uh, P.F. Chang's is probably, but like P.F. Chang's, they like took two things from P- the P.F. Chang's menu and like that's in there, you know? Mm, like that's, they did it all. They did it all. I, I'm from, yeah. a, I, I grew up as a teenager. I worked at the mall for Mm-hmm. five six years into my like yeah, into college too. 
and uh and our mall was like and i grew up white trash and so our mall the the anchor restaurant was a ruby tuesdays which yes, is a real uh, bummer. yeah but like when i grew up again like cheesecake factory was like aspirational like you it was like a fancy, oh yeah 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 <laughs> it was cheesecake like our family wasn't body. going out to the cheesecake factory every yeah. every night you know like once a year maybe yeah one of the first dates that like i went on like as a freshman in college I was like, fuck here. I'm like, we're here, dude. Like I've saved a little money and it's time to take Shorty to the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, like, yes. it's a fr- I was Babe, so fucking I excited. You. And so, yeah. the, and therefore, <laughs> we're doing therefore, it. Therefore, we're, we're doing the Cheesecake it. Factory. And I'm having Chicken Littles again. Don't I love it. criticize I was a big like, I was a big like as a teen, as a like feral teen, I, I was a big like, let's go with your girl to the restaurant and like go to like yeah. a, what I considered a nice restaurant, which in retrospect all was like incredibly cheesy. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I loved that. Loved go to that. Red Robin or something. Yeah, bottomless Oof. fries forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuddruckers. Those are like the early date spots where you're like, these are places my parents would take me, and therefore. This is all I have in terms of knowledge of a restaurant for a date. This is so. the only proximity to adult knowledge I have. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, I know there's a Fuddruckers over we there. Used, we you used go to there. go, there was an East Side Mario's in the mall parking lot, and there was a guy from my town named Pete Finkel, and he would play, like, contemporary covers of songs at the East Side Mario's, like, like Green Ooh. Day's Time of Your Life. And you'd go and see this guy from your town play music at Eastside Mario's on your date with some, whatever, some girl. And it was so of a time, it was remarkable. I really, wow. I really miss how weird that was. <laughs> the simpler times. The simpler times. Have you ever, can you think of a Cheesecake Factory that's gone? Have you ever seen a Cheesecake Factory go out of business? I've seen one Against relocate. will? Yeah, no. They, yeah, I've seen one relocate. Cheesecake Factory decides when it's done with you. But uh, right. the Cheesecake Factory is not, yeah, it'll just be like, we're, we're going to move over here to bless this other establishment yeah. with our presence. It's never like, no one's coming here. Everyone yeah. goes. And these things, Everyone they're probably going to be standing that people are going to do an analysis and be like, these are made of Roman concrete. <laughs> that's why they still stand to this yeah. day. It's the only thing that's left standing of America in 3,000 years <laughs> is just Cheesecake Factories. Yeah, I, like... It's it's interesting. Is this because the Cheesecake Factory brings so much people to, you know, so much business? Or does the Cheesecake Factory have, like, some magic understanding of, like, where to locate, you know? Well, b- based right. on all the, all the malls I know that do or do not have a Cheesecake Factory. Like it's the like malls, the high-end shit. Yeah, the malls that are, like, predisposed to already have people who are regularly going to come with, with disposable right. income yeah. are hitting that Cheesecake Factory. Exactly. I'm shocked that our mall that had that had Ruby Tuesdays as an anchor is still trucking because it is. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The main mall in South Portland, Maine is still somehow vibrant. Do you know what they put into the what they put into the department stores? Like, are they are they now like the bubble world? Oh, you mean like what did they replace all the the selfie anchor stores with? (laughs) Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know although like that is that's some of my fa- there's a there's a, a mall unfortunately that may I can't remember but there's a mall in Portland Oregon that has like a a full comic and zine shop in like an yeah. old spot and that's I love that it feels yeah. tr- like truly you know sideways apocalyptic in a way that I enjoy yeah 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 I feel yeah, like yeah, that yeah. there's probably there's got to be a lot of haunted houses that have gone into those oh, spaces for sure Right. Oh, yeah, you yep. got to. Yeah. You got to. 
it's always interesting to see like, cause it'll always be, then there's like small businesses where you can see it and you're like, oh, this poor fucking motherfucker, this shit is not going to last. And like, you probably put your whole fucking life into yes. this terrible retail concept. And then you see ones that have been <laughs> like there for decades. Like a one-off in a mall, like a yeah. one-off retail yeah. concept in a mall. Oh God. Yeah, and I get like, and you like see it, you're like, no, I feel yeah. so bad. I'm so sorry. You are, oh, you're just uh, throwing money away. Then the, but then it lasts for like 10 years and you're like, oh, it's a drug front. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I don't have to feel bad because you don't care that no one's in there because you're just laundering money through here. Yeah, the, yeah, the one there are a few of those. Things. The one I was just talking about in Portland, Oregon, is called the Lloyd Center, and it's like just like it feels like a flea market. It feels like it's all just like small businesses that people like put it all on the line for. Yeah, and they're like you know it's like custom snuggies or whatever, and you're like, all yeah. right, I guess okay. I hope that's, God, I hope that's for what I works. love about like. Portland is the specificity of the businesses like it the entrepreneurial spirit of Portland Oregon is fucking I've never seen anything like it where they're like yeah man it's like a bespoke hot sauce and beer place there's a, <laughs> and it's like there's what a, there's another so our of my podcast I co-host with Sarah Marshall from you're wrong about and there's another Sarah Marshall from Portland Oregon who runs a bespoke hot sauce company Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny, too, because, like, I'm, like, not knocking it because instantly I'm like, I mean, yeah, beer's cool, but I love hot sauce. And I love to see when people are just, like, you know, aggregating a ton of local hot sauce. I'm like, this is great. And I was asking some people locally, I'm like, is it high turnover, like, in this area, like, with the business? Like, yeah, yeah, it can be. It can be. It can be. But some things remain. For sure. All right. Well, at the top, we mentioned that there has has been some misinformation going around and i have to assume that you guys were talking about skittles when you when you mentioned that uh yeah 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 yeah, because there have been erroneous claims that skittles are now banned in california specifically mario lopez who along with jack black is the person who i go to for most of my information (laughs) most of my reported reportage has to come through mario lopez he he tweeted Crime is through the roof. Worst drug epidemic ever. And homelessness at an all-time high in California. Let's focus on Skittles. And then posted a video or posted a picture that says California becomes first U.S. state to ban Skittles and 12,000 additional products for cancer-causing additives. I don't know. Maybe maybe this is the first step. Mario Lopez going to run for president. Mm -hmm. We can all hope. At Mario Lopez Viva. <laughs> Did this news come from Nextdoor? I feel like this is something that would like yes, right? <laughs> you would see on Nextdoor. The other day, I was like, I got, I don't even know why I'm on Nextdoor. It was like I found a pet once, a lost pet, and I was like, I should go on Nextdoor. And now I'm never gonna get off. But yeah, right. the, um, they people were very up in arms about the fact that I think California, there's a law that was passed that you can't make your employee run after a shoplifter anymore, uh-huh. rightfully <laughs> so. Like that should never have been a thing in the first place. And People were angry as if the government had come into their house and taken all their money and then burned it down. And I was like, <laughs> why? This is like this Skittles news is another one of those, it feels yes. like. Yeah. So is it true? It's not true? It's it not true. true. It is not true. So, okay. I mean, they tried it. Gavin Newsom signed a bill banning certain food additives. And one of the things that he pointed out, because everyone was like, oh, you're going to ban Skittles? Skittles go out of business then, dude. California, you're not going to be able to buy Skittles? Fuck that. And he was like, here is a bag of Skittles from the EU where the the carcinogenic 
chemicals that they put in the American version of Skittles is illegal. Uh, they just made it less cancerous in the EU and are still able to sell both things and not go out of business. And people were like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> and so <laughs> that uh, that got taken out of the bill, the Skittles ban. There's like, it, just keep it as it. Like, they could have made it less potentially cancerous. And yes. They, and that just isn't going to happen. Yes. Cool. He, so he held a package Seems of Skittles right. from the EU, argued it's demonstrable proof that the food industry is capable of maintaining product lines while complying with different public health laws country by country. And so, therefore, an earlier version of the bill had a ban on titanium dioxide, which sounds like a thing that you want to ingest with your food. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, you know, pepper a little it's got two titanium oxides, <laughs> dioxides on there, which we, we've talked about it before. It's a controversial food additive found in Skittles and a bunch of other foods. And it's been banned in the EU. Uh, it was banned last year, and you know it's just not not great. Like they they think it could be bad, like when it gets into your cells. But it was removed from the California bill after lobbyists argued that it was safe to use in these applications. Don't worry, by small amounts in products like Skittles. This is but, how you know Gavin Newsom is running for president eventually. Like he's already doing. Like he's like you know. Like, oh, I'm not I'm like, well, fine, we're, we're good with titanium dioxide or like the thing where he's like, I'm going to cap insulin costs. No, I'm not. Actually, I'll say that out loud. And then when it comes time to cut time to sign a bill, I'm not going to do that or be like, we're going to get striking workers unemployment. He didn't. Right. So he's like really good at that, like presenting himself as someone who's like got his head in the game and has his like progressive credentials while also being like, and I'm a friend to business and healthcare. Don't worry, yeah. my man. I still yeah, got Am I this. making up that he was like a progressive guy at one point? Did, that was the case, right? Like he was the, he was like an actual progressive politician from San Francisco. Uh, yeah, it's like it's the then, mayor of San Francisco, like I guess comparatively, but he's always, I think the thing that people have always, that the sort of criticism is like, he's all, he's always been very sly about it he's mm -hmm. very coy you know and he so he knows what to say when to say it and not say things when to not so it's you're always like he presents like a total piece of shit but he might be a total piece of shit too who knows <laughs> but yeah so that that pushed back hair though you know you gotta you gotta know goddamn the push what a head hair. of hair yeah it's slicked back jack we already know i can't think of somebody whose hair i would want to touch less than like Gavin it, Newsom's? Yeah, his hair feels like it, wh whatever you would get on your hand from touching it would be on stick. there for a while. It would stick yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd rather touch, like, all, like, the male leads in, like, Boardwalk Empire, who you saw them put, like, lard in their hair. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd, I'm having a go. Yeah, lard that. never I'd, hurt anyone. I'd rather touch that or, like, pomade than, like, the whatever Gavin Newsom's got going on. You know whose yeah. head I, I bet is filthy is Bill Maher? I bet his... I bet you would touch his head and it, your hand would never be the same. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to get that in on Bill Maher. <laughs> yeah. His fucking hair is gross. <laughs> New rules. Your hair yeah. is terrible. You just have to like, be like stuck to your hand like a spider web. You'd like uh, wash it. And, I say yeah. this yeah. as someone with like a radically receding and depleting hairline. Uh, but oh, I, yeah. yeah, I don't ever want to touch the texture. The texture of it, though, I can, it feels like it could be like a, like a cat's tongue. Somehow, <laughs> when you're like, ah, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? <laughs> That's hair? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, buddy. It sure is. It's what, karma, it's what karma does to your oh, hair. Oh, it's not hair? Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Have you never touched a nest of spider webs before? <laughs> okay. Powered by Islamophobia? Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Sorry, okay. Snowflake. It's scary. Your both of your impressions, if, like facially, are scarily accurate. You really well, go to. You know, a, you're really oh, good looking for. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've we as like a people have had to listen to that for 30 years. And I know, right? We're no. upset about it. Oh <laughs> uh, shit! But yeah, so this this is one of those things. The science is uncertain, but usually, like if they, all things being equal. The, you know, people in charge of make, making decisions on behalf of millions of people would be like, we don't know. And therefore, you can't put it in food that is mostly eaten by children. Mm. Yeah. Just as like a precaution. Yeah. And that's how it works in the EU. But in these United States, you you know, you got you got lobbying groups that are more powerful than the the young children candy eating lobby but it's it's funny though how much like my brain has been shaped by this like american attitude towards stuff when i'm like well yeah you can't even prove it though so like <laughs> fine let her rip yeah. <laughs> rather than be rather than like no it the we don't know it's better to know it's better yeah. our thing is it's better to know what you're putting in your body than letting it rip and I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah but why, the American to me is kind of like, why don't you suck it up? And then I realized that I've just internalized a, a terrible right. ideology. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, wait, that's the titanium dioxide talking. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Years You've of internalized uh, a bunch of microplastics in, atti <laughs> in addition to American. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Let it rip. Let it rip. <laughs> Let it rip. <laughs> My teeth Who are you blowing? talking to? How can oh, yeah. the red ones taste the best? <laughs> it's because of the flavor inside. It's not because of the, yeah, well, that's what they tell you. All right. That's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, means the world to Miles. He, he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.